Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. we got a great show planned for you. Going to be talking about um, relationship fixes, and later in the show we'll be doing some sex myths. Wanted to open the show first, though, with some interesting stats. Uh, I was working on a project, and I was looking at some relationship statistics, and I thought... So these are a little interesting. Um, I'm not going to get too deeply into the science behind them or why it is. I mean, I'll mention it a little bit, but I thought some of these were actually kind of fascinating and interesting. Um, check this one out. If you wait until you're 23 years old to commit, you're less likely to get divorced. Now, again, that's really just looking at the fact that the older we are, the more skill sets we hopefully gain and have. Um, and uh, we're more of a, 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 an evolved person. Uh, so it's not really that 23 is a really odd cutoff. It's really just, again, looking at if you do the work as you get older, you are more mature and you make better decisions and you really understand what you're looking for. I think our 20s and early 30s should be a time of a lot of casual dating to get to know who we are, work on our relationship skills. Because remember, relational skills are um, experience dependent. They're not something we just have. It's like, think of cooking. The more you cook, the better you get. The more you learn about ingredients, what works and what doesn't work, the more you're confident and comfortable you get. Um, you don't just talk about food and then just cook one time, one meal and think that you have a wide skill set. No, it doesn't work like that. So date a lot. Delay serious relationship for a while. Um, the older we get, the better our relationships should get if we're doing the work, ideally. Because um, I think back to people I was willing to date in my early 20s and 30s, and dear God, I would never date them now. But back then, that was my level of health, my level of functioning. Because remember, you're only as healthy as the people you're dating. So if you're dating really unhealthy people, well, that's your level of health as well because you're you're picking them, you're staying with them. Um, yeah, healthy people exit unhealthy dynamics. So that isn't to shame you, but that's just to say you got some work to do. You have to have a better understanding of what should I be looking for in a partner what does a healthy partner look like? We've talked about that often on the show and then holding yourself to that. Um, so look at that. Also, they're talking about the in love phase. A stat was looking at the fact that the phase of being deeply in love only lasts about a year. Now, don't misunderstand what that means. It just means in the beginning, it's a lot of lust. It's a lot of idealizing. It's a lot of romanticizing. It's a lot of projection. And probably far sooner than a year, especially depending on how much time you spend together, the real person emerges. And then you become, you're in the working phase, the maintenance phase. And that's when trust and commitment's really demonstrated and really built. So a lot of really beautiful things come out of that. I, I know that you'll stick it out with me through things. We don't know that in the beginning. 
everything's cute. Everything's amazing. But when, when all that flattens out and you're still there and you stick around and we work through some conflict, that's when trust is really built. That's when I can really buy in that my partner is in this with me. So there's nothing wrong with that dying off, but we need that in the beginning to get us into the relationship. Um, also ready for this one. Two people can be compatible or incompatible on multiple levels. I say this all the time. Uh, just because you find someone attractive and the sex is hot or you think you want to be with them doesn't mean you have what it takes to pull it off as a couple because there's so many things that are on the line when we try to form a relationship with someone and you know sexual and aesthetic desire often just isn't enough which is why you should wait a while maybe about that one year before you make a serious commitment because you want to let that early early romanticization and fantasy die off and let the real person emerge let some conflict truly happen so you can really look at what they're like in difficult times because that is a better determinant for what it will be like in terms of the long haul with this person. Um, another study stat, this isn't really a number-based stat, but that the happiest marriages are between people that see themselves as best friends. Agreed. You have to actually like each other. If you don't have that like at the core, it's not going to buffer the other things that happen. Friendship is a key mechanism that helps explain the casual link between marriage and life satisfaction because I actually enjoy and like this person. So it helps me stay in there through difficult times. Um, I'm trying to look at what are some of the other more interesting ones. Oh, I like this one a lot too. If you get excited for your partner's good news, you'll have a better relationship. But again, that goes back to the fact that you actually care. You want them to be happy. You have empathy for them, concern for them. If you don't care about what happens to them, if you can't celebrate their successes and good news, then you have anger or resentment and you need to look at that or again, you need to release and move on. But really use that as a powerful benchmark for like what might need to be done. Um, I like this one. Resentment builds quickly in couples who don't tackle chores together. Very understandable. No one wants to feel like the, the work at home is more so on their shoulders. That should be evenly distributed you know, for everyone. Um, also, I was looking at some research that was talking about we have no true metric that can predict what couples will work. And I was laughing reading the research, which I already knew, because some of these reality shows, they tend to have these experts that can determine what couples should work, you know, would be better paired together or whatever. We can't do that. It's far too complex of a dynamic. We know what traits we want to look for within a couple to help them have more sustainability. But as far as two separate individuals, we don't know how to pair people up perfectly. It's far more complex, which is why matchmakers themselves set people up with a multitude of people. They do their best, they guess, and then they put them together to kind of see what happens. But we could never on paper make that determinant. Um, I'm trying to think of if there's one more to kind of land on. Oh man, I love this one. Well, let's not, let's not do that one. Ah, if you're more economically dependent on your spouse, you're more likely to cheat. Sometimes that's as a result of feeling resentment. We're not empowered. All right, y'all, coming up next, though, we're going to talk about some relationship fixes. Stick around for that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right so we're back and uh we're talking about how horrible we are (laughs) with conflict uh we don't have good role models you know again god bless i see parents losing their minds as their child is struggling and i'm like well there it is right there that is not someone training someone else how to deal with difficulty frustration or disappointment uh we watch our parents we watch them not deal with conflict well our friends television it's a mess then people end up in my office and i say to them look conflict isn't bad but your experiences of it with your family members, your friends, which you see on television has made us afraid of it. We're phobic of it because we don't see good examples of people doing it lovingly, relationally, and also repairing afterwards. And that's what the point is. The content can't manage, excuse me, the content, the content cannot matter more than the connectivity and the safety of the two people talking about and working through the content, how you go about that matters more. One of the examples I'll give my patients is I'll say to them, it's almost as though I'm muting the conversation. And all I'm doing is I'm watching the two of you. And just even in silence, I can see whether or not you're managing this well. How? Because I'm looking at each partner, which is what you can do as well, which is why we don't deal with conflict over email or text message. It's disrespectful. That is for quick things like, honey, I'm running late. Do you want me to pick up anything at the store? Thinking about you, whatever it is. We wait till we can get home and do it face to face. And we want to look at our partner as we're having an argument or conflict to determine how well it's going. Their face will tell you, their comfort will tell you. That is your barometer. If they're looking shamed, uncomfortable, threatened, scared or sad, you're going about it wrong. You are doing it wrong. No conflict should negatively impact the other person. Reel it in, chill it out, take a break, crank it down, do whatever you need to do. 
But the relationship and quality and health matters more than what it is we're talking about. The content is secondary. Conflict's going to happen. And every time we enter it, we're training ourselves and the other person to feel safe approaching it again or, or not. And some relationships end where they hobble along with low levels of intimacy because no one's feeling safe really bringing up the things that need to be brought up. They don't feel as though conflict is dealt with well. And it's not just how we manage it, it's also how we deal with it and repair it afterwards. Ideally, no matter how hard that conversation was, it should end because it's been run well in a way where it's like, yo, that was really hard. We said some hard to hear things, but it was done with love and respect. Like let's hug and let's go get ice cream. Let's go for a walk because we have to show each other that after a conflict, we're still a unit. We can both still have hurt feelings and be angry and still also live and connect and acknowledge that we love each other at the same time. It's both. And that's shown by saying, let's hold hands and cuddle. Let's go for, uh, let's go for dinner. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for ice cream, or let's just take an hour to ourselves and then we'll come together. But it doesn't end with us being uh, feeling as though we're enemies. It doesn't end with us feeling unsafe. It doesn't end with us feeling wounded. It ends with us feeling closer, more vulnerable, safer, more willing to do that again. And if what I'm saying doesn't sound like you, fix it now. Get into some couples therapy. Get into some individual therapy. Sit down as a couple and say, we need to manage this better. Let me tell you what I've learned. You do not have a healthy relationship if you cannot constructively and relationally work through conflict. Again, the work is not about never having conflict. That is not the goal. Get that out of your mind. Never say we shouldn't be fighting or we shouldn't be fighting about this. Yeah, you should. What you should hold yourself accountable to and your relationship and your partners, we should fight and deal with these issues better, more lovingly. We've talked on the show about how to do a little bit of emotional regulation. So let me run through that very quickly. This is what an adult conversation sounds like. Hey, honey, I don't like the way I'm starting to feel. I don't like the way I'm starting to talk to you. I need a minute to, to get my breath or I need a minute to step away and regulate. We're tracking ourselves because we're paying attention to ourselves, but we're also watching how we're impacting our partner and they're reflecting back to us how well we're doing and we're right-sizing everything. Does the severity of this topic warrant the response I'm giving it? If it's a disappointment or a frustration we're talking about, like the garbage or something like that, that's like a level two or a level three. Chill out. And if you're not feeling at the right level, you are not ready to start that conversation or that conflict. Yeah, we're learning how to work with ourselves. That is one of the hardest things to get a client in, in my private practice to do is to learn how to work with themselves. Because we'd rather just blame everybody else. We'd rather just be like, relationships are difficult. And it's like, no, no, they're actually not. They're complex, they're nuanced. We learn about ourselves. But work with yourself, learn how to be better, learn how to use these relational moments as an opportunity to get a better relationship with yourself first, to track yourself, to see how you're landing on people. Singledom, as hard as it can be in some ways, is the easiest psychological position in that we're not forced to go up against ourselves and our stuff because that is what comes up within relationships. It's shocking to see how people's functioning can drop at those points. That is where a mirror is being held up and we're like, wow, look at all the work I have to do. 
So again, conflict is a powerful opportunity for you to learn about yourself, your partner, and your relationship and where your work is. No conversation with someone you love that you're in a committed relationship with should end in them feeling harmed or hurt. You can express disappointment, frustration, and anger in a way that makes it safe for them to stay connected to you as you're talking about it. And even if they're feeling a little bummed out afterwards, they still feel safe holding your hand and going and getting ice cream. If that is not what your story looks like, you're doing it wrong. We should not be having blowouts. We should not be having fights where someone's sleeping in a different room or needing to leave the house. You are doing it wrong. One of you is completely dysregulated and one of you is not doing your part. It should never be like that. As we say all the time, you should be coming in with it a little bit of every argument. You should come in a little bit having worked with it, a little bit of it digested and it coming down at a low number. We don't come in hot. And if you're coming in hot, you're not ready. And I see examples of people all the time letting themselves off the hook being like, I just need to say it. I just need to tell it like it is. I, I don't care what the framework is. We don't start those things that way and we don't run them that way. And again, this is an opportunity for us to learn how to work with ourselves. Sit with that. Whatever I'm saying that's hard for you, it's where your work is. All right, coming up next, we can keep talking about this. Then we're going to do some DMs and then we're going to get to some sex stuff. We're going to talk about uh, some sex myths, some interesting stuff, stuff that needs to be corrected. That's gone on way too long. So stick around for that. Drop a question if you got it for us in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. But we'll be back. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. Talking about conflict. Nothing wrong with it. In fact, it gives us an opportunity to grow, to be better, to learn where our work is, to learn where our soft spots are. We are tracking ourselves, keeping it at an appropriate level, and if not, stepping away. And part of what helps us stay in check and in line is we're looking at the person we're talking to. And their level of safety and comfort is what's communicating to us how well we are doing. And based on that, we make decisions as to whether or not we need a moment to ourselves, whether or not we need to chill out, whether or not we need to come back to this conversation. Be aware of yourself. Grow up. It's time to be an adult. I don't care how old you are. Be better. Be better. No, no relationship should end as a result of conflict or a fight. We should be ending it in some form of resolve. We talked about that in the earlier segment. But that's important because that's where we actually show how committed we are. That's, a, that's, that's, that's an act of trust, commitment, and love. All of those three things, the three most important things in a primary committed, secure relationship, commitment, trust, and love are all demonstrated by how we start run and end conflict. And if you have no problem coming in hot, hurting the other person and making them uncomfortable, and then ending it with a harsh ending where no one feels good, that is a lack of trust that is being built. In fact, it's eroded. That is not an expression of love because love never harms or hurts. And it is absolutely you stepping outside of your commitment because the commitment you make in a primary secure relationship, and if you don't want that and you want something casual or harmful, you do you. But for those of us that are adults and want a healthy adult relationship, one of the commitments we make is you are in my care. When we make that commitment for exclusivity, marriage, boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever the committal framework or label is, the commitment you are making is you are in my care and I'm in your care and we will treat each other fragilely. Trust is built when I know I can talk to you about difficult things and you will be caring for yourself and me through the duration of that. And again, love is never violent, love is never painful and love never hurts. If we are doing something that harms another person, we have stepped outside of love and it is not an expression of that. So that is the trifecta, commitment, trust and love that is demonstrated and either reinforced or eroded at during times of conflict and distress. And a lot of marriages and relationships don't honor those things because again, we haven't been taught about those things. A lot of us don't know. 
And that's what I'm trying to educate people on. One of the most important things of my job is educating. A lot of psychoeducation happens with my patients in my private practice saying, let me talk to you about what trust really is. Let me talk to you what commitment really looks like. Let's discuss whether or not that was an act of love. Conflict is going to be prevalent. It's going to happen with two distinct people try to come together and form a unit. Expect people to push on each other's boundaries and comfort. How we manage that is what we, how we communicate what, what, what kind of level of health we're going to have in this relationship. And if all this seems foreign to you, maybe take a break and work on it. Get into some individual therapy. Read some books on what this stuff is about. Because again, I think these terms are slung around but very misunderstood. Because um, remember, you know, the, the signifier for me of a healthy relationship is when each partner comes into my office and they say, let me tell you what I was proud of this week and let me tell you where I let myself down this week by not being a good partner or person. And they're calling themselves out because they're self-aware. That's what self-awareness looks like. And I'll start sessions by saying, you tell me what kind of partner or person you were this week. I don't want to hear from your partner because if you're that unaware of yourself, then we have a bigger problem. You need to build in self-awareness. You are impacting the people that are a part of your life, especially the primary people that are in your life, your children, your best friends, family members, your primary partner. Because in a healthy relationship, we become a we and an us. It's a regression. That's right. Just like parent and child, we, we fuse. We fuse, we become codependent. Our nervous systems and our brains wire. Codependence is a healthy part, neuro, interpersonal neurobiologically, of a primary secure attached relationship. That is what you seek. You are thinking for two people. What you do impacts them and what they do impacts you. You do infect each other with emotions. You do make each other feel things powerfully. We have shared meaning, we have a shared identity. And as I say all the time, if you're, the result of your conflict doesn't end with both of you mutually beneficially, how do I say that? If the conflict doesn't end, which with a mutual, I can't say that word. If it doesn't mutually benefit both of you, I so badly wanted to make it conjugated in the other direction. But if the outcome is not mutually beneficial, then you have not reached the end of your discussion or you haven't reached the best solution. Both of you walk away as winners in a primary secure relationship. It is never a competition and it is never me versus you. We are both looking out for ourselves and each other. And that is a healthy form of interdependence. Mutually beneficial solutions and resolves. If only one person wins, then we, are, we have not finished. And that is not the right way to do it because that is not an act of commitment. That is not, not an act of trust. And that is not an expression of love. We are looking out for each other. It's a we and us. We're in each other's care. We don't think separately. Self-interest doesn't exist. Think about it. We are literally a financial unit. We are literally an emotional unit. We live together and share space. Limbic resonance, mirror neurons, social contagion, interpersonal neurobiology, attachment theory. These are all powerful, empirically validated resources that help us understand how much we fuse and bond in primary partnerships. We got to take it more seriously. Coming up next, we're going to do some DMs and then we're going to swoop into some sex stuff. So put the kids to bed, put the ear pods in, the earphones, whatever you need to do, turn it down, turn it up. I don't know. It might be actually good for your kids to learn a little bit about sex. I'm not mad at it, but stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around because we will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I have a question. I'm hoping you can help. I've been with my fiance on and off for about three years. Uh, we got engaged in March. Uh, we are a gay couple, and his family isn't so into it. <laughs> 
although my family loves him. He says, uh, I'm sorry, I can't, my, the print is very small. He says, uh, we always do most big events and holidays at my house, but that's because it's welcoming. Whenever he wants to go over to his family, his family's place, it ends up being an issue and leading to conflict. I can't imagine the entire rest of my life being like this because everything else feels awesome. I just don't feel like it's comfortable or welcoming, but I, but maybe I'm just not being direct enough help. Well, first off, when I hear someone say, and although we're probably dramatizing a little bit, everything's awesome, but this one thing I say, well, then great suck that one thing up and deal with it because there's perfect doesn't exist. And if you're saying everything's great, but this one thing, let's resolve this one thing. Then what you are saying is I want it to be literally perfect. That isn't, that isn't logical. That isn't realistic. There's always going to be a few things that are just going to constantly be managed here. It might be everything's great, but you know what? The one thing we're going to have to work on as a couple and what it means to be together is our differing family styles. It's fair that everyone wants to spend some time with their family. No one has a right to say every Christmas is with my family. Every Thanksgiving's with your family. Every Hanukkah's here. Every Kwanzaa's going to be over there. It doesn't work like that. We get to say, I want to spend time, you know, in my family or without family. Um, when you're in a relationship, everyone's needs are as legitimate as everyone else's. Let me hear Let me say it again. Everyone's needs and feelings are as legitimate as everyone else's. So I don't like the word compromise because it usually implies someone has to lose or miss out. I like the word beneficial, mutually beneficial solutions, mutuality, which means it works for both of us. And that means you understanding that it's not a loss if you spend a holiday at their house. That's because that's their family and that's important to them. And so you do it for them. And that is your reason. And then that doesn't allow you to see it as a loss or a deficit. You're going to have to be around people you're not necessarily that that interested in. Like I say all the time, you don't have to love your partner's friends or family members. You don't have to spend a lot of time with them. And when you do, you put a smile on your face. And you find reason and meaning in it because it's important to them. Just like if your partner loves horror movies or, or sports, you suck it up and you do it for them. Or you say to them, hey, do that with your other friends because it's okay to do things without me at times. And I'll participate in the things that are important to me. But you do have to respect for every, you have to have respect for everyone's interests and their family members. It doesn't sound like they're abusive because if the family was abusive, it'd be okay for you to set a boundary saying, I'm not willing to be around abusive people. If they gossiped or name called or belittled or were homophobic or racist, you have a right to set a boundary saying, I'm not going to be around that. No one should have to be around that kind of violence. But short of that, if you're like, yeah, I just don't really like them and you know, some fights break out, yeah, well, welcome to families. That tends to happen because we tend to let our guard down and we tend to let our worst out around those we care the most about because we feel secure around them. It's unfortunate, yes. So find a way to find meaning and value in it. And of course, they want to spend time, spend time with their family and you have to go with it. And um, I don't even know that they always need to know your true feelings. Because remember, honesty doesn't mean I say whatever I'm thinking and feeling. No, no, that's called having no boundaries. Honesty means if I open my mouth and say something, let me say it differently. Honesty means if I choose to open my mouth and speak something, what I speak is truth. But I don't always just say whatever I'm thinking because then I have no boundaries. So I only really share constructive, meaningful, important things. And if I speak it, it's truthful. But I withhold things that are mean or harmful or hurtful because that doesn't need to be said. 
And that's called having boundaries and having compassion and being mentally healthy. So we don't need to share with our partners, everyone we don't like. Sometimes we keep it to ourselves and we deal with it. And we, and not only do we find value in time with their family because they find value in that, we also try to find things about people that we might not enjoy that maybe we can enjoy or we can have a conversation around. That is part of being in a relationship. It can't always be perfect. I always say that to couples. Every time something comes up that makes you uncomfortable or disappointed, the, the work can't be to resolve it and eliminate it. Sometimes we allow, yes, we have to allow some things that aren't ideal. Nothing's perfect. Good enough is the goal. And you got that. So roll with this. This is dealable and manageable. So find value and meaning in it in some capacity. Got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to, drop deeper into. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. We'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, going to talk about some sex stuff. We're going to talk about some sex stuff and some sex myths and some sex misinformation that we don't talk enough about. And we really need to normalize it. Sex. We have a lot to unlearn and relearn. Same thing with relationships. Same thing with mental health. Um, a lot of problematic thinking out there. Um, so let's break it on down. Uh, first thing is that... Um, what you see in porn is not what it really looks like. And I know we know this, but at the same time we don't because I still hear people internalizing what they're seeing in porn. Because for a lot of people, porn is the only or the, the most frequent place that they see sex happening. Otherwise, you're just left with your own experiences or what you've been told or seen in a movie. I don't know, right? So some people have never seen other naked people of the same gender, maybe, or even a lot of naked people of the opposite gender. And so we go off of what we see. And porn is a specific type of person that is hired. Um, they are essentially a sexual gladiator. They are able to perform and have pronounced anatomy in ways that the bulk of us don't. Um, more importantly, you don't get to see the behind the scenes, the failures, the pills that are needed to be taken to maintain arousal, the injections, um, things going wrong, discussion of boundaries, hygiene stuff. None of that is shown. Why? Because porn is entertainment. We don't watch a movie and go, oh, well, wow, what a, what a bad educator. That movie didn't really express how to best drive your car down the freeway. It shows cars doing flips and popping off the freeway. It's like we hold porn more accountable than we do other forms of media. We have you know, no problem with kids you, you know, playing video games or blowing people's heads off or car wrecks and car chases. And we're like, that's fine. They know better. But then we like look at porn and we're like, well, teach some porn literacy. Kids at all ages are encountering it. You yourself need to know this, that that is not what it really looks like. Those are actors, just like actors in films do not look and act the way the rest of us do. And they have skills that we don't have and we're not supposed to have. It's entertainment. Don't take it as seriously, which is also why I tell people to watch diverse porn. Watch some queer porn, which has fat bodies, skinny bodies, hairy bodies, hairless bodies, big penises, small penises large labia, small labia, women with body hair, women without body hair, women with large breasts, stretch marks, same sexed, opposite sexed. Watch all of it. Watch some feminist porn, which isn't about the male gaze, G-A-Z-E, which is made by men for men. Look at feminist porn, which is actually going to be more realistic. Same thing with queer body positive porn, where you see all sorts of bodies, natural, not enhanced, not specific, not targeted, not exclusionary, but the opposite, inclusive creative and diverse. 
that will normalize. Challenge yourself to watch very diverse porn with all different shapes and body sizes, and you will realize that your, your arousal is more plastic and fluid and creative than you even thought, but it's better for your psyche because you're tying arousal to different kinds of bodies because um, that is not how it looks. And we say we know that, but I still hear people coming to my office thinking I should get hard and stay hard on demand as long as I need to. Nope, penises don't work that way. We will always be disappointed, but we don't have many experiences of seeing that. People will want you to discuss with them what you're interested in. You no mind reading, no assumptions. You also need to check in on your partner. How's that feeling? Are you enjoying that? I still work with some adults that think their partners should know what they like. No, speak up. You need to tell them. I tell them to worry about their own pleasure to focus on how they're impacting their partner, but to go after what feels good to them. And we communicate what we need, stay there, do more of that, do less of that. And also aftercare, bonding and connecting afterwards. So there's not a harsh stop after all that bonding and intimacy. Because even if it's with a random fling whose name you don't know in the dark, there's still intimacy built. It's still human beings coming together. Um, also, there's a sense of like, Good sex is supposed to be hard and fast and goes on for a long time. I want people to engage in varied amounts of sex where it's some quickies, some longer forms of play where it's just about fun. There's no right way or wrong way. We enter it with an openness saying we're going to see where we go and what happens. We're always changing up the patterns and habits. We've talked a lot about that. As I'm saying this, I'm looking at a couple different um, articles. Um, I love this one. This is something that someone pointed out that orgasms aren't always going to be the same, that they can be varied in the intensity where we feel them, the length of time that they exist, really beautiful. But we tend to get into patterns and habits because of our anxiety and we don't really play. We don't really wander. You know, a really beautiful exercise I have my patients do is body mapping where I'll have them go home and draw a picture of their body. It can just be a stick figure. And I say to them, what parts of your body do you let be touched? What parts of your body will you not let be touched? What parts of your body will you let your partner see? What parts of your body do you want to hide? Look at how limited that might be. Some people, they're like, what? Wide open anywhere. And I'm like, cool, good on you. But other people, they're like, it's very limited what I'll allow to be touched, to be seen to be engaged. And I'll say to them, that's the limits of yours and your partner's sexuality. Their limits are your limits if you're in a monogamous relationship. And if not, they're still limited in that moment. And you might be perpetuating some body shame on your end or their end. And our whole body has the capacity of giving us pleasure, not just our genitals. But we get so obsessed with doing sex right, which we think means penises and vaginas and penetration and always orgasm. And that's not always possible. And it's also very boring. So maybe do that exercise, go home and think about your body or draw a picture of it and say, what are the areas that I allow and don't allow? And why, why, what is that about? And do I want to honor that? All right, coming up next, we're going to keep talking about this sex things to bust through and push on. Um, and then later in the show, we'll be doing some DMs. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back talking about some sexual myths. Uh, how about this one? Our bodies make noises. Stop trying to have perfect sex. The best sex is when we're letting our bodies do whatever they do. We're getting wet. We're getting sweaty. We're not worrying about how we look or what noises we're making. We're even vocalizing. We're saying, mm, yeah, that feels good right there. Blah, blah, blah. That is the most honest, liberated sex. And if you're not doing it like that, ask yourself why. It's probably sex or body shame rooted in whatever 
that might be. Fear of sex and bodies, fear of not being perceived the right way or attractive. Sex is one of those moments where we can have such a deep level of intimacy because of how honest it is. It's where we're supposed to leave all those inhibitions behind us. But a lot of people get hung up on how they're looking, how they're sounding, how they want to be perceived. Oh my God, you know how stiff and horrible and robotic that sounds? So really think about that. Like what are the edges you need to push on? Um, Also, your mind may and probably will wander. I've had clients come in saying, I'm not always focused on my partner when I'm having sex. And I say to them, of course not. And they're like, what do you mean? Of course not. And I say, well, a thousand reasons. Number one, no matter how much we love or attracted to our partner, we're going to be thinking about other things at times and our minds wander. Allow that. There's nothing wrong with that. What would be wrong with that? We can't always stay focused on whatever is in front of us. That's the beauty of sexuality, letting our minds and our hands and our bodies wander. Don't get hung up on thinking, if I'm having sex with my partner and I love them, I have to be focused on them. And if you, and also the inverse, don't get so hung up on whether or not you think your partner is totally checked in or tuned into. Let them be in their moment because there's different forms or structures of sex. Sometimes it is about our partner. And it is about seeking deeper connection. And we are looking at them and we are experiencing it with them. Other times we're more self-focused. We're in our own bodies and we're disconnected from our partner to an extent. And we're focusing on how it feels good to be in that moment with them. But it's more focused on what we're feeling internally. It's not so outwardly focused. That's okay as well. And then other times we're more fantasy driven where we're not even in the room with ourself, our partner at all. We've wandered somewhere else. And what a beautiful thing to have access to. There's nothing wrong with any of those modes. Healthy sex is not about just having sex with your partner. Healthy sex is, I mean, again, healthy sex is really about sex that doesn't harm anyone. And there's no harm in anything we're talking about. What form that takes is going to differ. But there are some really bad definitions of of what healthy sex is. Like some people say healthy sex only takes place in a committed relationship. Now that's the biggest joke I've ever heard. Because even within a committed relationship, sex can be had for the wrong toxic reasons. Such as, that's all we have. I'm afraid to acknowledge we have a really crappy relationship without it. I'm only doing this to keep you happy, etc., etc. Please don't think that within a committed relationship, that makes everything okay. And most of us aren't having sex within committed relationships. Okay, we have the highest rate of singledom. Most people are having sex because it's fun, because it's about empowerment, because it feels good, because we make friends that way, because it's entertaining, because maybe it's even our job. And there's nothing wrong with that. So many different ways to approach it. Honor all of them. Um, another one I want to I want to talk about, and it's kind of like a little bit of a divergence off, is remember that when someone is open to bringing you into their sexuality, into their private sex life by having sex with you, even if it's just the discussion about what we might do, they are really taking a risk. I want us to honor the vulnerability in that moment and not shame someone for liking what they like or for being who they are sexually. That is a very violent act. And especially if you're in a committed primary relationship, that's that's very sexually and emotionally abusive. That's sexual abuse. That is a form, I'm being very clear. Hear me say this. It is a form of sexual abuse and also psychological and emotional abuse, but primarily sexual abuse to mock, shame, or put down someone's arousal, period. And I see partners do that. That's gross. That's disgusting. Moms don't do that. A good husband wouldn't do that. And the person saying all that is being sexually abusive and psychologically and emotionally abusive because they're uncomfortable with what they were just told. Well, guess what? Go deal with your discomfort. That's not your partner's job. They're vulnerably, lovingly gifting you with who they are. You're not safe. 
So I always say, B, make sure your partner's mature enough to hear who you are sexually. And if not, you got a lot of work to do and so do they. Don't be with people that are sexually abusive like that. And remember, if someone shames another person by saying that person's slutty, that person's sexually deviant, they're talking about themselves. And what they're saying is, they're saying, I'm not comfortable with what I'm being told, and I don't know how to manage that or deal with that. And so I'm acting it out and, and projecting it on you. Don't take that bait. Say to them, you seem uncomfortable, and you're acting that out. This isn't safe or appropriate. It's abusive, and I'm going to go. And you walk away. Don't let people shame you sexually ever. Just like don't let people shame your body. Your whole purpose in life is not to be attractive to your partner. You don't have to maintain a certain shape for them. You're allowed to keep the post-pregnant baby weight on. You're allowed to have a healthy, natural aging body and have wrinkles and cellulite. You don't have to go to the gym forever. You don't have to maintain the body that you have when they first met you. That's part of commitment and trust is that you will allow me to be who I am through my entire life cycle. My whole job isn't to be your sex toy. I don't have to look attractive to you at all times. Yes, I want us to always stay in the courtship cycle, which is doing what we need to do and try to feel erotic for ourselves at all stages and sizes and weights. And yes, we wanna understand that if we're in a monogamous relationship, then our partner's limits and our limits are each other's limits. But our main goal and only goal in life is not to maintain attractiveness. And attractiveness needs to have fluidity. And that's evidenced by allowing ourselves to be where we are. And if you're a fan of porn, which most people are, and yes, women do watch porn, is by watching diversified porn. So as to diversify your arousal, but understanding that we're having sex with human beings and that it's not always gonna be ideal. It's both. We have to hold both. Our bodies are going to change based on a multitude of factors. And we don't need to have shame around that. And we don't need to vocalize to another person how we feel about that. We work with what is. We work with the human that is before us. We're not always gonna have exactly what we want or have things ideal. Injuries happen, medications happen, disabilities happen, aging happens, pregnancy happens. That's life. All right, we're going to be back and we're going to keep talking about this and then we're going to do some DMs. So uh, don't go anywhere. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, and we will be right back. Oh, Rachel, we're back talking about some uh, sexuality, doing a little sex ed, busting some sex myths. Remember, a lot of the things that we're calling disorders or dysfunctions aren't. It's that we just don't really understand how healthy sex works or how bodies work. Talk about this all the time. Erections don't work on demand. They are going to disappoint us and let us down. That is not a dysfunction or a disorder. That is how a healthy penis works. It's not always going to do what we want. And as we age, it'll get hard less often and it'll stay hard for shorter periods of time and our erections won't be as robust. That's normal. That's healthy. That's natural. That's why we have fingers, tongues, toys. That's why we learn how to have sex that isn't always dependent upon erections and penetration. For same sex partners. We don't always even want penetration. Some people are sides. They're not a top. They're not a bottom. Some people don't like penetrative sex. Some people, the relationship's more affectionately based. It's not even about penetration at all. So remember that. But then there's also this part about sometimes our bodies are communicating what we won't or can't verbally, what we don't know yet, what we don't feel safe saying. So let's talk about painful penetration. Painful penetration during sex is sometimes your body saying, I'm not aroused or I'm not interested, or I'm not turned on by this person, or I don't feel safe letting this person literally enter me because they're abusive, because they're not nice, because they put me down. So could there be something physically present? Of course. 
Often, is it psychologically based? 100%. Yeah, most of it is. Same thing with erectile issues, erectile disappointments. I don't use the word erectile dysfunction because most of the time it's just a disappointment. We have to learn how to be confident with that frequent disappointment. It is rarely not a medical condition, especially if you're waking up with erections or doing fine when you're having solo sexuality and masturbating. If it only shows up with your partners, well, there you go. It's born out of anxiety around the relationality or you're not turned on or you don't feel safe, you don't feel confident, whatever it is. Painful penetration could be another form of that or low to no sexual desire. Is the sex worth wanting? Is your partner worth having desire for? No, you shouldn't always want sex or naturally desire your partner. I wanna understand why maybe you don't. Maybe it's very appropriate or healthy that you're like, I'm not turned on by them anymore or right now or no, I'm not interested in sex with them. So before you jump to conclusions and try to just override and ignore your body, be a little more body positive by saying, let me listen to what my body might be communicating that my brain needs to catch up with. There might be something else going on relationally or within one of our lives or both of our lives that we're not talking about, but sex isn't letting us off the hook. Also, your sexuality can shift and change. As we get older, we're often more willing and more likely to really step into our more radically honest and authentic sexual selves. It's a beautiful thing. Because as our aging bodies occur and we don't lubricate as much, we need a lot more lube because lube, lube, lube is always your friend sexually, especially as we age and our erections aren't what they used to be. that's going to shift and that's going to change. And we have to be open to all that, all these other things that are under the gigantic umbrella of what is sexuality. It is not just penetration and it is not just orgasms. And that's why we're not shaming each other's sexuality. We're seeing it as a really vulnerable personal gift that's given to us. And we take it seriously. Because remember, as I was saying in the earlier segments, when you're in a committed primary relationship, you're in each other's care, and this is a part of it. I don't want us to be around people that shame our bodies or shame our sexualities. We want to be in partnership with people that are supportive of that, and they welcome knowing us fully and knowing us deeply, but there's a maturity that's required, and then we can push on extending sex to include our whole body and to include things that we traditionally didn't feel comfortable or confident asking for. And we can allow for disappointments and frustrations with penetration and erections or not orgasm the way we want. You orgasm too fast, there's no right speed. Too fast for what? There is no right speed. You can't come too fast. You can't take too long. Too long for what? Your patience? It's that some of that's up to our nervous system. Some people have a very sensitive nervous system and they ejaculate very quickly or they orgasm very quickly. Other people, maybe they're not relaxed enough or they're not turned on enough or they don't feel safe enough or they have a less sensitive system and it takes longer. These aren't disorders or dysfunctions. They're disappointments or you just have to learn how to have more confidence in the way that you function. I wanna normalize the diversity that exists. But in order to do that, we have to have a partner that's not making a problem out of something that isn't. So sometimes we have to educate ourselves and then educate our partner saying, that happens, that is normal. Expect more of that, work with that. Don't shame me for that. Couples shouldn't get upset at erectile issues or penetrative issues. There's no one or nothing to be mad at. That is part of life and humanity. And again, as I said in the earlier segments, how we manage conflict and disappointment means more than actually resolving the content of the issue itself. How we manage it, how we talk about difficulties is what is going to further build trust, love, and commitment or eat away at it. It all counts. And sex is often relegated as though it's some special thing off to the side, doesn't matter as much, discounted, different rules apply. No, no, 
do the work. It's an important part of relationships, especially if you're in a committed romantic one. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. So uh, you all know the drill. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's questions you got. As we're helping you out answering it, we're helping others. Always anonymous, always confidential. Put them in there. Topics you want us to hit. Maybe there's something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, or something we haven't hit before. Put that in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show. Check them out over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff because we got to unlearn and then relearn. It's all about that repetition. Stick around though. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Jessica. I've been with my girlfriend for about three years. We're living together before pandemic, but for some reason, quarantine, not for some reason, for some reason, you said it got hard on our relationship. For some reason, we know the reasons. There wasn't anywhere to go. We didn't have our usual coping mechanisms. We didn't have our normal buffers. Life just wasn't that great. We're feeling stir crazy. I understand that. We fight every day or every other day. I know it's stress. We're taking that on each other. Is there anything we can do? Oh, that's such a big question. I have, I have so many questions about that question. You know, it's hard for me to say that. All I can say it is like this. People think the issue is the content. What are we fighting about? Who's right? Who's wrong? And the issue is the way you fight because fighting is going to happen. Let me use the word conflict instead. Conflict's going to happen. So it's about getting better at having difficult conversations. It's not about the fact that you have conflict. It's the fact that you don't manage it well. So manage it better. Come in at a zero. Don't come in frustrated. If you're coming into a conversation about something frustrated, go take a breath, go for a walk, do whatever you need to do. We come in at a zero. That's number one. Number two, we pay attention to our partner when we're talking to them. And if we see them looking uncomfortable or offended or whatever it is, we stop, we change our posture, we change our languaging, and we soften. So that's number two. We pay attention to our partner to see how it's going. Then we stay relational, which ties back to that second point, which means the way we're saying it, our tone, our posture, and the word choice honors that the person we're speaking to is someone we care about who we want to stay connected and in relationship with us. And so the languaging honors that. 
Then we track for dysregulation. And if we realize that we're getting dysregulated, we take a break. We don't just power through and get it done for the sake of whatever. That means we go to bed angry because we don't just stay up battling it out, saying things we don't mean that we can't take back because we want to get this done before we go to bed. No, sometimes we have to shelve things and come back to them. And finally, we find mutually beneficial solutions, something that feels good to both of us. Otherwise, that isn't the correct solution. And the wider thing is we make sure we always do this face-to-face so we can actually track each other and hear each other. We don't have difficult or important conversations over text or email. And that's your best bet. And you have to apply that to every difficult conversation, and then you guys will be fine. So the problem isn't, oh gosh, we bump into things that are difficult and we have conflict. The problem is we don't know how to manage that well, and so we leave each other worse off afterwards. And without knowing much more, that's the way you kind of have better interpersonal relations. All right, we got time for one more. Uh, the next one says, uh, bum, ba, da, bum, bum. hey, Dr. Chris, I like this guy. Pretty sure I'm in love with him, but he has a boyfriend. He's always flirting with me. He says his boyfriend's at work, but I feel bad. Is there even a nice way to say break up with him and then we can hook up? That is hilarious. Um, well, this person is showing you that they don't have respect for their partner. Let me say it differently. This person is showing you that they don't have respect for people, not for you or for their partner, because they're expecting you to take handouts. They're also not being kind to their partner. Uh, this person also tells you that they don't have good boundaries and that they don't really understand what care and commitment are, because I'm assuming this person's in a monogamous relationship. So you don't want to be with someone like that. Remember, everything counts and people are always showing us their mental health. It's not like, oh, well, this doesn't count because he's not happy or this doesn't count because we're not together yet and it'd be different with me. This person's showing you that they don't manage things well. If this person doesn't want to be with their partner, they should leave them. If this person wants to also be flirting with others while with their partner, then that should be something that's built into their commitment around monogamy or openness. But I'm assuming that they're not and you're helping this person actively harm their partner in relationships so bad on you as well. So what you should say to them is, you are currently in a monogamous relationship. If and when that changes, feel free to reach back out to me. But until then, you're disrespecting me, yourself, your partner, and the relationship, and I don't participate in harm. And your partner's being harmed indirectly by this and maybe eventually directly. So please stop reaching out until you're available or in an open relationship or in a relationship that allows for this kind of communication. Thank you, and then you send it. And that's how you are a healthy person. And that's how you kind of help them be a healthy person. But this person isn't demonstrating that they're really someone who should be, you know, necessarily a part of your life. So, all right. Well, with that zinger, <laughs> we're going to say goodnight. Uh, if you have t- if you have DMs for us, put them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. We are channelq.com is where you go for past episodes of the show. As per that last one, y'all, be kind to yourselves, but more importantly, be kind to those around you. And uh, if you're in a relationship, have some more respect. All right, y'all, thanks for hanging out. You enjoy the rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 